Welcome to my Idaho friends. I am your host, Jaime Lima, and we will be having conversations with business owners and centers of influence throughout the state of Idaho. Please make sure you follow us on our YouTube page and our Instagram, and I hope you enjoy the show. Cheers. All right, everyone. <laughs> so welcome to my Idaho friends, those of you that are tuning in. Uh, thank you for taking time out of your day to join us over here on Argus TV. As always, shout out to Argus TV. Eric and Justin, uh, thank you for uh, letting me be here and do my thing. Today, I'm pretty excited. have a very special treat. Uh, we get to have an awesome conversation with uh, Jesse Brock from um, Combat Fitness, SBG Idaho. So for those of you that do not know Jesse, he is uh, an athlete, a mixed martial arts professional fighter, uh, coach, and gym owner. So Jesse, thank you for taking time to be here with us today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And like always, we're always supporting local over here. We're going with Barbarian Brewing tonight. Cry of the Blackbirds. Don't worry, Jesse, if you're not drinking, I'll drink for the both of us. Cheers to us. No. Cheers. <laughs> and let's get started. Um, so, Jesse, I have a number of questions and you're probably going to be a little bit annoyed at me because uh, I'm going to be coming from the perspective of, of somebody who knows little to nothing about uh, mixed martial arts uh, and uh, about, you know, what is it like training in a gym like yours and, and all that other stuff. So we're going to hit that. But before we talk about your business, be, be, before we talk about the history of combat fitness and SBG and anybody that everybody that trains there, I want to talk a little bit about you first. So tell us, um, where did you start your, your journey into, into the martial arts? Because I think it goes way back to your college days, maybe even prior to that. Um, yeah, definitely. No, I, it actually goes back to third grade, I would say. Um, I was an athlete, or I'd rather I like sports. I wasn't particularly good at them. Um, just baseball, soccer, basketball. Um, I think those were the, the three ones that I did, and I was um, pretty subpar at all of them. But I liked athletics. I, li I liked the idea of it, and um, I, I remember there was a flyer in my elementary school that it was for a kids wrestling program, just like two weeks. Uh, the high schoolers will come and train the kids at the, all the, the elementary schools that fed into it. And after two weeks, they on a tournament, a fundraiser for the high school in our area. And uh, I knew my dad had wrestled. He used to talk about it a little bit, but it was never something that really pushed us into. Um, I think partially because mm -hmm. there wasn't a program in our area. And um, I brought it home and, really excited and I remember my dad being particularly hyped also and um, I think I got third at the tournament and that was kind of it for me I'd never really accomplished anything in sports gotten a medal been on a podium so I, I think uh, immediately I knew I could be good at it or better than I had in other sports and uh, that was kind of it for me so um, yeah I, I really uh, really kind of immersed myself in wrestling and the wrestling culture and um, it was did pretty well as uh, as a high school athlete, and it, I was able to earn a scholarship to Boise State when they had back when they had a wrestling mm -hmm. program, and that is uh, that was the extent of my combat sports experience until I graduated from college and then um, discovered mixed martial arts. So, 
Awesome. Cool. And what was that journey like? So, I mean, clearly, you know, they're just now giving away uh, scholarships uh, for athletes that are performing at a subpar level. So what was that journey like uh, as far as like as, as wrestling? And, and if you could uh, specify a little bit more about, you know, just exactly what type of wrestling you were doing uh, for BSU at the yeah. time. So um, in America, in the, the school system that's junior high, high school, college, it's folk style, which is a style that you don't see in the Olympics and world championships. Um, Olympic and World Championships is freestyle and Greco. That those are the internationally recognized styles um, that you can actually be a world champion in. But um, you know, here in the states, we have uh, kind of the the ultimate, at least in the high school state level, is being a state champion. Um, and uh, I was able to accomplish that twice my junior senior year in high school. Uh, I was a runner up as a sophomore. And um, but you know, the best wrestlers in any state are year round athletes. So. In the off season, they compete in freestyle and Greco tournaments, and that gives you a chance to go travel outside of your area and compete against kids in other states. Um, that's actually what uh, piqued the interest of Chris Owens, who is the Boise State assistant coach, and they were looking for some lightweights. He actually knew some coaches, not my coach in particular, but some other coaches in our area up in Alaska, and um, Chris uh, asked one in particular if he knew of any lightweights that he think could uh, compete at the collegiate level, and he mentioned my name. And um, Chris ended up watching me compete against a couple Idaho kids, actually, at, like, Western Regionals and uh, um, Cadet and Junior Nationals. And he was able to kind of witness me up close and then follow some of um, my success and performances in my respective state. And, yeah, it was, it was enough to uh, earn a college scholarship, and that's kind of how I ended up here. And it's um, – yeah, I, I – I really just enjoyed wrestling. I think that was kind of the success was just a byproduct of how much I love the sport, and um, it mm. gave me an identity, it gave me confidence. It obviously gave me physical fitness. It gave my family, because my dad ended up be, was our first coach, and he started a club in our area because oh. there was none. And uh, that club still exists to this day. It's a different name, but it's one of the bigger clubs in the state. And um, some of my, you know, I, I made some of my closest most meaningful friendships with guys I wrestled against and was teammates with so um yeah I gave our family something to do my brother was a wrestler he was a state champion in high school as well um, my sister I think she did a couple of tournaments but she was always around the mats my mom became a uh, an official in the state association which was Alaska USA wrestling so yeah it definitely um became a, a family affair too well, that's awesome. It's a great story. Now, for those viewers watching that that know uh, little to nothing about wrestling, you, you mentioned something. You say you know you were you were competing at a, a lightweight, uh, you know weight lightweight level. What does that mean? Um, so in wrestling, there are weight classes, and um, there's ten weight classes in college at the high school level. I believe there's fourteen. I, I could be fifteen. I forget. And oh, wow. um, they, they want you wrestling is a very physical sport it's an individual sport so they need to divide the athletes by weight classes otherwise the bigger guys that may not be as technical as some of the smaller guys would just win due to the majority of the time due to just size and strength so um and uh the lowest weight class in college is 125. Um, so i mean those these guys are cutting weight so it's, uh, they're they're a little bit bigger than that naturally, but uh, 
the lowest weight class in comparison by high school in high school is like 98 pounds um this is a weight class that's dominated by freshmen sophomores because i haven't quite hit puberty yet but um but generally if you're going to wrestle in college you need to start at least getting big enough to wrestle in the 125 pound weight class in, in or it's 126 in high school, but right around there. So, you know, something that would translate to uh, being a 125 pounder in uh, college. Um, I actually wrestled 125 exactly as a high school senior, and I ended up uh, wrestling 133 in college for my first uh, four years because I redshirted my first year, and then I, I moved up to 141 pounds as a senior. And uh, you know, I and I grew a bit. I, I put on a good twelve to fifteen pounds of muscle just through training, and then my natural maturity. Awesome, cool. Now, I know we're going to move on to the to, to the extra good stuff, but I really like this right now. Uh, talking about the wrestling and whatnot, you mentioned something about you know the 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 wrestling program, uh, how it's no longer in place. Can, can you can you just touch on that a, a little bit? What what's the story behind that? Because you you have yeah I believe you know a great deal of success from that program I'm sure not uh -huh. just you but like your 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 fellow teammates and and you know everybody that that was part of that program I'm sure that they got a lot out of it yeah no it it boys you say wrestling made me the man I am today in so many ways and um you know it's definitely a shame that other kids that want to stay in the area and compete for the the local school, the local university can't do that. But um, Boise State Wrestling was very successful. Um, prior to when I arrived, the year before, they had two All-Americans and a national champion, Perk White and uh, the late Larry Quizzle, who was uh, third place. And they finished top 10 nationally. Um, it had never been done, you know, and uh, they were 10th place at the NCAA tournament and they were second place in the Pac-10, which that was their highest finish in that conference so far. Um, and uh, just a little background there, traditional Pac-10 schools, um, Stanford, UCLA, USC, Oregon, Oregon State, many of them don't have a wrestling program. There are a few that do, Oregon, Oregon State in particular. Um, well, not currently. Oregon has dropped their program. But back then, it was Oregon, Oregon State, Arizona State, Stanford. And then the other 10 schools were Cal uh, Poly, Cal Davis, um, Cal Fullerton, uh, Cal Bakersfield, uh, Davis, and then there's, uh, I believe, Portland State in us. So that round, that makes so, a difference of 10. Sorry, good. No, yeah, and but was, was it just like a, a budget funding issues or it was just like, I mean, it sounds like it was a very successful program. Uh, what, what was the... Um, you know, for those who are watching who are not familiar with that, like they don't know anything about that. Like, what was the basis for for the program to just, I guess, just go away? Um, that's a good question. I don't think uh, those of us that supported Boise State Wrestling and were not in support of the program dropping ever really got a straight answer. None that made sense based huh. on the facts. Uh, Bob Kustra, who's the president at the time, and uh, the AD Kurt Apsey, um. Well, I guess I should rewind a little bit. So the program was accomplishing a lot on the national level. Um, the year before I, I, I helped out uh, as a coach for two seasons after my graduation. And uh, my last season, I, I helped coach a national champion. In um, and uh, the, 
after that, we had an, a couple more runner-ups, uh, multiple Americans. We had at least two more um, top ten finishes at the NCAA tournament, countless NCAA or excuse me, Pac-10 mm-hmm. titles, and um, at both as a team and as an individual. It was a program that was rich, uh, had a rich history of success. Um, but a few years, few years prior to when they dropped the program, um, it definitely hadn't been as successful and. You know, there's probably multiple reasons for that. Sometimes, you know, you miss on recruits and, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, like any sport, things evolve. And, you, you know, as a coaching staff and as athletes, you got to just evolve with it. And I know the coaching staff is working real hard to right the ship, but uh, um, the uh, the administration ended up um, getting rid of my coaches, uh, Greg Randall, Chris Owens. And um, mm-hmm. I know we were all kind of shocked by that. Um, and uh, and they ended up hiring uh, Mike Mendoza, who was the coach at Bakersfield. He came on board, and no, Mike was—he's a, a great guy by all accounts, an awesome coach. But he's not Will Rell known. Um, so some of us that supported the program were a little perplexed, you know, um, if, or I guess had questions about how he would perform in those duties. But um, his first year, he he did a great job. He surrounded himself with former Boise State wrestlers as his assistants, um, got rid of guys that just were dragging the team down and um, cleaned up the team GPA. They had their best recruiting class in like 11 years. It was ranked in the top five nationally. Like the program was turning around. And uh, and while, so this is, the, this is the first season, you know, and they cleaned house and we knew it was going to get a little bit worse before it got better, but it was getting better in a hurry. And the, the, the community was really excited about the possibilities for the And that summer, they had recruits on campus. And Kurt Apsey walked into the wrestling room and there was just kids there talking to the you know their teammates, talking to coaches, um, and started handing current athletes their release forms when there was recruits on campus. You know, why, why are there recruits on campus when you're getting ready to drop the program? And, um, you know, these were questions that that the the wrestling community was asking and the 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 response that was given was that the administration had plans to do this but didn't quite know how like they need, needed some time to make a, a better plans and our response was okay so you had months to figure out how you were going to do this and that's your what you came up with to like have or it wasn't even sorry it wasn't even the idea it was a compliance officer have just a random compliance officer walk in and start handing out release forms to the athletes when there's recruits on campus like that's what you came up with um so it, like right away there was, it was it was a little fishy and you know it had a lot to do i believe with uh, the addition of the boise state baseball team um I personally have nothing against baseball, but I do know Custer is on record as saying that before he left Boise State, he would have a baseball team there. Um, mm-hmm. Even though Boise is really, from what I've been told by people that know baseball, isn't the greatest baseball community. It's too cold. You know, it doesn't really become baseball weather until like April. Um, so, it, you know, you're going to be on the road the first two months of the year and you're going to build a facility on campus. You're going to implement or bring on a sport that costs far more than wrestling by orders of magnitude. 
and in both in, in the number of scholarships that you have to provide in the facilities and the uniforms and the equipment, like wrestling is, is, uh, is, is pretty affordable in that regard. So it's, uh, and then, you know, and I think it all kind of got wrapped into that, the proposed downtown stadium, actually just kind of right across the street from the gym. Um, you know, I, I think there was a lot of political agendas attached to it. I probably, the full story will probably never really be known, but um, it's unfortunate that, you know, they, they added a sport like baseball that's going to jack student fees up and it's not, they're not going to recoup their money. It's, it's going to be a money pit. Um, you, you can look at Oregon. They dropped their wrestling program specifically for a baseball team. And it's been over 10 years and they've lost from what I understand, $70 million on it. So, no, you know, yeah. And in Oregon, it was another program that the year before they dropped the program, they had a national champion, Shane Webster, who was one of the, the more dominant wrestlers I've ever watched, like in person. Um, they, and they had another, another all American and Joey Bracconi, like the program while they, weren't the strongest team they could still produce at, you know athletes that were capable of performing at a high level and you know they they dropped it for baseball and it has not worked out for them i don't think they fielded a competitive team and they certainly haven't fielded a team that's done well financially oh well that's a story right there thank you for sharing i appreciate that um, yeah we learned we learned quite a bit on that, and I just want to uh, reiterate, you know, and, and just like what uh, Jesse just said, you know, he has nothing against baseball. Uh, he played baseball himself when he was a kid, but uh, we were just uh, for those of you that are just joining us right now, uh, we were talking about um, you know what ha whatever happened to the um, wrestling program over at BSU, which uh, and Jesse um, from. Combat Fitness over at SSBG Idaho happens to be a, a success story. And not just him, but a, a lot of his teammates and his peers. So Jesse, again, thank you for sharing that piece. Now, let's turn that frying upside down or downside up. Well, whatever, let's make it, let's, let's turn it happy. Let's turn it happy. Oh, gosh. All right. Now, you were mentioning about... Um, you know, you, you, were, you were coaching there after you uh, graduated college. Um, so, you know, that's pretty awesome that your continuous involvement, you know, within that community. Have you been able to get involved uh, within, you know, the wrestling community at, at a high school level or anything like that at all? Are you still coaching uh, outside of your own gym? Yes. Um, I got the opportunity to actually start coaching at Mountain View High School. Um, uh, there's actually a, a gentleman that I, I really respect. His name's Cliff Laughlin. He's actually in the National Wrestling Hall of Fame. He was my coach's coach. Uh, my coach, Chris Owens, um, oh, wow. was coached in high school by, by Cliff Laughlin at Idaho Falls. And um, Cliff made the move over to Mountain View High School. And uh, he and I had interacted a little bit. I'd helped out at, at some camps that he was involved in. And um, he thought I would make a good coach. And he gave me the opportunity to be his assistant. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I uh, we won a state title as a team in 2008, I believe. Uh, coached tons of individual uh, kids to state titles. Um, I, I coached there for eight seasons, and uh, and then um, I, when Cliff left, I ended up going to Bora, where I actually had the opportunity to coach Chris's son Taylor uh, for his final two years <laughs> in high school. And uh, 
you know, we, we did well. We never won a title as a team, but, um, you know, Taylor was able to win an individual title. And uh, since then, I've been at CUNA High School, which is uh, Pat Owens, who's Chris's brother, was actually one of my teammates at Boise State. I, I've spent the last five seasons at CUNA, and uh, we actually won the state title this year and last year. So I've, I've been really fortunate to, you know, be able to still give back to the community that gave me so much and you know, be able to just help kids out and help them accomplish their goals. And, um, yeah, I, I was fortunate to have a lot of great coaches in my day, so I, I hope I'm able to do the same for some of these younger guys. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And, and you know, again, awesome. thank you for, you know, your, your, serving, your service in that community and, and, you know, giving so much back. Something that I think should be pointed out is, I mean, that's that's lineage and heritage right there. You know, that's multi-generational because you're talking about, you know, uh, linking up with your coaches, co your coaches coach and going mm -hmm. on down. And now you become part of that coaching community. And now you are coaching like, you know, I think you say your 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 teammates kid or your coaches kid. That, that That's pretty cool. And that's uh I think that that's that's really important, and and it weighs it should weigh heavy on those who you know love the sport of wrestling, and uh, and and are very much aware of how much that means to the to the kids and the young athletes as they, you know they develop into young adults. So that's pretty rad. Uh, yeah. So now I want to start uh, diving into your transition from race wrestling, no wrestling, excuse me, uh, into you know that being your foundation, uh, and then jumping into the world of mixed martial arts all right so uh why don't, why don't you walk us through that a little bit and how how did that come to be how are you you're wrestling at, at, at bsu you know at a, at a fairly high level you graduate you're 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 helping out with coaching and then all of a sudden it's time to start punching people in the face and, and kicking them in the kidney i want to i want to know all about it okay um so i actually competed after my collegiate eligibility was done i, I wrestled internationally um, like on the senior circuit is, I guess, the best way to describe it. Um, guys that are competing for spots on the Olympic and world teams. Um, and uh, I did that through the Bronco Wrestling Club, which was associated with, it's, it's the freestyle team that's associated with the, the folk style program. And um, I did that for two years and I had mixed success. It was, it was definitely harder. I. I didn't enjoy it as much. It, there was that. Uh, there just wasn't as. There wasn't the same team environment, and um, you know, it's it's a tough road, and you're competing, you know, to be one of just a handful of guys that represents the country, and these are guys that were, you know, the the cream of the crop at the collegiate level, and you know, I, I definitely mm -hmm. wasn't a national champion. Um, I had some good success, but never quite uh, got over the hump as far as being an all American. So. Um, you know, I was getting better. I, I felt like, you know, I, it was given enough time, I uh, I could eventually get there. But it, uh, yeah, I just I remember in one tournament in particular, I just decided I didn't want to do it anymore. Um, I I can't quite remember what uh, kind of led to that epiphany, but um, I had qualified for world team trials that year, and I decided not to attend. Um, I remember getting the packet in the mail from USA Wrestling, you know, kind of outlining the process, where the event would be held, and and I just I threw it in the garbage, and um, and 
looking back, I kind of regret it. I wish I had at least wrestled at the trials that year. But um, yeah, I just, for whatever reason, I, I needed a little break from wrestling. Um, summer, my friend, Scott Jorgensen, who was my teammate for a few years, and then I helped coach him um, while he was finishing up his eligibility. Um, he had had it in his head he was going to be a mixed martial artist. Like That was something that um, had as a goal for uh, many years. Um, I knew about MMA, obviously. Everybody did. We watched it. It was, you know, from the Ultimate Fighter. It, it was gaining popularity. People were aware of the sport, but it wasn't something that I uh, – I really saw myself doing, but uh, Scotty started training immediately after his senior year, and he was getting ready for a fight. It was in Ontario, Oregon, I think, and, and he invited me just to come train with him. And I hadn't been doing much at that point. I kind of decided I wasn't going to wrestle, and I I think mm-hmm. I would. I was still teaching at the time. I would get done with subbing. I would think I went. I would go lift weights, and then I would go back to where I was living at the time, and. Um, I'd start drinking and, and I remember we had this huge tree in our backyard and a bunch of spare lumber and I was kind of in the middle of just building a tree fort on my own. Um, we built, I built it like three stories and so that's kind of what I was doing with my life at that point. And um, so when Scotty invited me to come train with him, I was curious, you know, I'd, I'd watched enough mixed martial arts that it, it seemed intriguing and I showed up um, with my brother, actually, my younger brother who was living in Boise at the time. and. Mm-hmm. Um, Scotty was working out with our coach at, or who became my coach. His name was Nate Pettit. Scott was hitting pads with him. My brother and I, I think there was a set of focus mitts and a pair of old boxing gloves. And, uh, Nate showed us how to throw a one, two. I held the, uh, the pads while my brother hit with the set of gloves and then we switched just like, you know, just exchange and sweat. And then I did it for, until Scotty was done with his workout. Then we went into the mat room and we all just, it was kind of a free for all. I think he had boxing gloves. I might've had like, like uh, Muay Thai bag gloves. There was maybe a set of MMA gloves mixed in there. We were like sparring and grappling. And um, and, and I knew zero submissions really. I'd kind of seen stuff. I, I think I somehow managed an arm bar on somebody. But it was a lot of fun, um, you know, just trying to throw punches and takedowns. And then, you know, obviously the ground game changes when you can be on your back. And uh, and I remember, like, just enjoying it a lot. And um, and and thinking to myself, this could be that kind of a new outlet for me. Um, I went to Scotty's first fight. And I was just in the crowd, and I, um, I watched him just guy up pretty quick. And it was a lot of fun. I... I went to his next fight, which was up in Alaska, uh, which is where he and I are from originally. Um, I helped corner him for that one. And at, after I was watching two of those, I, I remember thinking, I'm going to do this at least once. And um, so I started taking nice. a bit more seriously. Um, I think I took a fight after about a, only a month and a half of training. And uh, that was definitely not the smartest. Thing. I ended up losing. I lost a decision. But um, again, I still enjoyed it. So then it became, hey, I got to win at least one fight. And uh, I won my next one by decision. And it was, uh, well, I want to like get a finish. You know, I want to know what it's like to finish somebody. And I got to finish him. Right. And it just kind of kept going. And um, I think I had seven fights within six months that first year, which is quite a few. Um, looking yeah, back. Yeah, that's very fast. <laughs> right. And uh, well, but like looking back at my skill level after seven fights, it was – 
it was definitely that of somebody that was just fighting a lot but not really training properly um i knew and i was good enough at wrestling i could generally get guys down i, I jujitsu made more sense to me than striking did um i was admittedly very poor at striking i i i I think over those first seven fights, I could count on two hands the amount of punches I threw on my feet. I would usually wouldn't throw any punches until I got them down to the ground. So um, I was, no. yeah. And then after that, things slowed down a little bit. Um, I started listening a little bit more to people that knew more than me about just training a little bit more in between fights, giving my body a chance to recover, actually having a training cycle leading up to the fight, not just get done with one. Right. So I started getting ready for another. So um, that definitely helped my progression a lot as a martial artist, slowing things down a little bit, and uh, I'm trying to learn and add to my skill set before I took a fight. So ever since then, it's been two to four fights a year since then. Nice, cool. So I'm gonna try to hit you. Uh, I'm gonna try not to hit you with an avalanche of questions because I do have that many. But before that, and I don't mean, and I don't mean to poke fun at whoever is over there. Uh, at the gym's office with you, but somebody somebody's coughing in the background. I don't know who you got in there. They need to go away, oh. man. <laughs> okay. They're ruining the audio. <laughs> so, oh. so, I don't know they either. To, they need to go hit the bag or something. Who is it? <laughs> is it Brad? I don't know. I'm gonna pick on Brad. <laughs> yeah, for you, Brad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Can no, you still hear them? No, no, no. Okay. No. They might be gone. Okay. Right, cool, let me know cool. if they come all right, back. Yeah, good. All right. Absolutely. No. No worries. No worries. Because because good. So, all right. So you you start uh, you know training uh, with Scott Jorgensen. Um, I know he at one point in time actually transitioned into the UFC. Uh, you were probably I'm more than likely working with him and, and training at that time because he was uh, still you know fighting out of Idaho, I believe, right? Or was it Vegas or? Something along yeah, no, those lines. All, of, all of Scotty's fights, he, he fought out of Idaho. Um, he would, you know, go and train some other places uh, for certain fights for different periods of time, but um, he still kept his core group of training partners and, um, you know, at least a few of our coaches here. And so Scotty was always kind of real loyal to the city and um, the group of guys that we train with in that way. Um, but yeah, he, he had a lot of success. I was able to, I was fortunate enough to be able to kind of pal around with him and um, help him out for his fights in the WC and then the UFC and um, met a lot mm -hmm. of cool people um, through my relationship with Scotty. And, um, you know, I, I definitely benefited from that a lot. Now, you also are very, uh, fairly accomplished fighters. Uh, I mean, in a short period of time, you accumulated quite a number of fights. Like what, where, uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think, I believe you're retired now, uh, or at least thinking um, about yes. it. Well, I've, I've had a few opportunities last year and then the year prior, um, some, some cool fights kind of popped up and, um, I mean, for all intents and purposes, yes, but if I still train a lot, I still stay in shape, I, um, you know, my head is still in the game, I guess, uh, for lack of a, mm -hmm. a, a better term. And, um, I, I still think about it a lot. I still think I have a few left in me and, um, Hopeful, you know, once we get through this period, uh, to to maybe have one this year, and you know, maybe the the third time is the charm because the last two that I've signed on for, uh, unfortunately, did not happen for reasons beyond my control. So, 
Um, right. I think one of them was, yeah, I think there was talk about you maybe fighting in Europe or something along those lines. So they were trying to, to get you out there. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that one ended up because I, I believe the promotion was called ACB, which is a Russian promotion. Uh, the fight was actually against a guy named Brad Pickett, who's definitely a legend in the, you know, the, the lightweight divisions. And um, I was going to, I was going to fight him in London and uh, the show ended up losing its insurance or something like that. I don't know. They, they basically uh, showed up all events outside of Russia. So, um, and then last, you you, you you hear something like that, and all the immediately I start thinking Bloodsport and Kumite and all sorts of crazy. <laughs> it's a Russian promotion. Nothing against Russians or Russia. Awesome country and awesome people. But then all of a sudden, like you're like, oh my gosh, the insurance. You're know, like, yeah, kind of a big deal. Right. And then um, I actually was. I have a, a a belt here with the local promotion with uh, Front Street Fights, and I was set to defend that this past October and. Uh, my opponent ended up getting hurt so uh they weren't able to secure a replacement um i'm hopeful you know i get to defend that thing at least once um before, before mm -hmm. i get too old um so we'll see i i hope uh, maybe that can materialize this next year all right. coming here. don't say too old because because we're we're the same age coach you're <laughs> the same age right. yeah, no, I, I, might, I, I might be like a year older actually so yeah that's ooh. so but um and how has that been a good fit uh, for uh, for you, and not only for you, but actually some of the fighters from your gym, people that work at your gym and train at your gym, that also get to uh, compete over at uh, Front Street Fights. How has that been a good fit? Uh, what what are your thoughts on on Front Street Fights? It's been awesome, man. Um, you know, it, it's at least locally it's there hasn't really been in a, a platform a stage that local fighters could could uh could compete on it's you know if they don't have something local then you end up traveling a lot and you're the opponent and uh you know um you're being set up like a tough guy that's you know meant to build up the local and and it's cool you need to be able to win on the road too and you got to be able to go into somebody's house and beat them but it is nice being able to stay in your own backyard um you know there's the with the promotion that's trying to build you up and uh we've got a lot of young athletes mm -hmm. with tons of upside and you know front street's really gotten behind a lot of them and you know tried to um, find matchups that were going to force them to evolve as fighters and and um you know really advance their careers so it's been uh it's been great it's been a lot of fun you know just competing for them as as an athlete and then and, you know in this later stage in my life being able to just help guide these young athletes and uh, show that they're well prepared so when they're given those opportunities on the stage that front street provides they can they can shine awesome man again you're not that old you, know, you just keep saying later uh -huh. stage in life man don't, don't do that <laughs> all right well let's talk let's talk a little bit uh now about your business all right so that's that's my jam that i just love to talk about local businesses um <clears throat> Probably a little bit to do with what I do for a living. So, um, yeah. combat fitness. How how did how did all that get started? Was it combat fitness from the very beginning, or did it there used to be something else and then transition into that? And then, uh, if you could link that up as to how eventually your gym became part of uh, SBG, which is a Straight Blast International. You know, uh, yeah, uh, I, I don't want to call it that. I don't want to call it like you know a, a chain of gyms, but it's a you know it's, it's a worldwide um, 
organization. Uh, affiliate um, organization, yeah. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, we started out as Combat Fitness. Um, we had a team, you know, just a team of individuals, and we were training at just kind of random facilities. Um, we actually started out at Gold's Gym on Park Center. They had a boxing ring up mm -hmm. there with some bags, and then kind of uh, across the way there was a mat room. And, um, but we were training there initially. I think they shut that program down. So we went over to the Boise State Wrestling Room. Uh, Scotty and I were able to use some of our connections with um, the wrestling program there where they would let us in after they were done practicing. And um, the administration caught wind of that. They were going to start charging us, which we were fine with. And then I think they just shut it down completely. So from there, we went to a the local promoter at the time um, had a warehouse. And I think he, had a cell phone business too. So we were in the back, there was a mat in a cage and there was boxes of cell phones just kind of like surrounding it. And that's where we practiced. <laughs> and um, and uh, I remember Scotty and I, we actually went down to Sacramento. We, we both knew Uriah Faber pretty well. And he had just opened his gym, uh, Ultimate Fitness in Sacramento and mm -hmm. invited Scotty and I to come check it out. and. You know, we walked in, we were pretty blown away. It, it uh, was definitely a lot nicer. Um, and it was a legitimate facility and, and one that uh, was definitely a lot bigger than anything. It, it more organized, it was a legitimate business. And um, I think we both realized at that point, if we were going to become better, then we needed a facility like that ourselves. We needed to be able to, you know, go somewhere at all hours. We needed something that was open and all, you know, at all times or a lot more than the facilities that we were in at the time were. So um, we actually had two friends that worked for Hawkins company, um, which is your local big commercial real estate company. And um, we brought them on board and they were able to kind of help us navigate commercial, some commercial real estate properties. And we ended up opening a little place in garden city, um, nowhere like uh, Western collective is, if yeah, uh, Boise brewery. CrossFit, yeah. So it's just if you Western Club is on your left, if you go down to Brown Street and take a right, we're like right there on the left. That's the building that we used to be in. I think it's a carpet store now. So we were we were there for about three and a half years, um, and uh, we were starting to figure it out a little bit. We we knew that it, you know the fight team wasn't going to sustain us financially. Um, we classes for people that didn't want to fight we were kind of learning how to do that a lot better um mm -hmm. and then it got to the point where if we were going to make this a real viable business we just needed a bigger place um nobody could find us unless they were looking for us there was like no amount of signage was going to make us visible from shindon boulevard and uh so and about that time scott thomas came on board um he was friends with Jorgensen and I through wrestling, um, he left on uh, into the military and actually kind of began his own mixed martial arts journey um, right around the same time. I think he was stationed in Alaska and uh, there's a lot of MMA opportunities up there and he just, he started fighting. And when he got out of the military, he came mm -hmm. back to Boise and walked into our gym one day and we were in there training and, um, you know, we, he had some money at the time and he... Uh, it started training with us initially, but then he started talking to us about being part of the business. And um, through his involvement, we were able to um, actually take on this space that we're in now and afford to do a build out and, you know, uh, really get into a bigger facility. And 
basically it's been you know just a, a slow steady climb since then um uh, definitely the catalyst was uh, our involvement with sbg though um which happened in 2014 um at the time mm -hmm. we were kind of looking for jiu-jitsu affiliates um we were aligned with uh, alliance jiu-jitsu which is now the base here in locally but um you know it didn't quite work out i think a lot of it is just competing for the same people and you know it it, it made it difficult um to maintain a healthy relationship that way when business-wise you're, you're competing so um we ended up parting mm -hmm. ways there and we were in search of just a team that that would help us improve our jiu-jitsu um, allow our, our our upper belts to continue to advance and um and then also just help us with the business and sbg was that we actually met travis davison when they came to the northwest submission challenge and i competed against one of his blue belts and uh he beat me actually. He was, they were really tough. Their their team was was really good and had some great jujitsu. And uh, I remember talking to him a little bit then. Uh, Michael Ransom, who's one of our coaches, ran into Travis also at a tournament in Vegas. And um, and then we knew of Matt Thornton or Tomets did rather through some DVDs. And um, it it was brought up when we were just discussing brainstorming which team we could align ourselves with and. Um, we ended up reaching out to Travis uh, when we decided we should pursue SBG and he invited us to come to Kalispell when Matt was doing his annual seminar and we participated in the seminar, got to witness an Ironman, which was really cool. Um, and just really hit it off with the guys. We, we talked and, you know, we, it was definitely different than um, other associations that had been around in terms of how they structured their training in terms of the vibe that they hope to create within their gyms. And, you know, I think we all realized pretty quickly that's something that we wanted to be a part of. And, um, you know, that was the type of success that we wanted to replicate here in Boise. And ever since then, it's been just, again, a slow, steady climb. And um, the last couple of years, things have, you know, uh, I guess kind of reached a new level and, um, Man, I, I couldn't imagine being where we are now without those guys, with Travis and Matt, and you know everybody else involved in Straight Blast Gym. Gotcha. So, yeah, as an organization, the affiliates then uh, facilitate a great deal of uh, mentorship on the business end and and support as far as how become established, how to remain not just profitable but also successful by by. Uh, by creating, well, like you said, a, a, a tribe, you know, a vibe. So mm -hmm. one tribe, one vibe, yeah. as, as, as you guys say. Uh, and I say, as you guys Absolutely. say, so, so you guys know, like Jesse is my coach too. I train there and I just get beat up all the time. So it's it's awesome. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't get beat up. But just, it's just it's just it's just great. And uh, I I can say from my experience as uh, attending other gyms in which I, I wanted to learn a little bit of boxing or I wanted to get a little bit of Muay Thai in or if it was a jiu-jitsu or wrestling or judo or any of these things. Um, one thing that was always really difficult was to, uh, you know, feel comfortable, you know, like like joining and then all of a sudden you're the new guy, like, okay, man, so we're just gonna, we're gonna tune you up. And I'm not saying that that was, 
that's always what happens when you go into a gym. But unfortunately for me, that was actually somewhat my experience. And it's just like, okay, so, okay, new guy, let's see what you got. Like, no, like I showed up over here just to learn. And, uh, you know, it's been almost, uh, I believe, just about four and a half years ago since I started training over at uh, Combat Fitness with, with you and the, and the rest of your coaches. And uh, never have I ever run into a situation like that where I felt that, uh, that, that it wasn't safe. Never did I run into a situation where I thought, you know, like egos were getting on the way. Uh, I, I always thought that it was a very professional instruction. And I always thought that uh, above all, it was a place, you know, uh, to, you know, essentially to create and, and be part of a community. So, uh, and that's something that still is very dear to my heart because transitioning from uh, the military into the civilian sector, I, I didn't have much going on as far as, uh, um, uh, an outlet and I was like waking up in the morning and, and going on a run and then just coming back home and then going into my new career and a new baby and, and that wasn't I mean that was good but it, it, it wasn't just really cutting it and not until I ran into one of your coaches Jake Martinez and okay uh, I started talking with him you know he's got he's got similar ears than yours you know you can tell he's been, yeah. he's been doing something and I was like, and we strike a conversation and he starts talking about the gym and, and in the most nonchalant, non-pressure sort of way. And uh, I showed up a, a week later and I, I've been part of the tribe ever since. So I'm very grateful to him and I'm very grateful to you and, and everybody else. Uh, it, it really, you guys are a class act because ne never once have I ever witness somebody feel uncomfortable just because of the different level of athletes and people that are just there training. Right, so like the, there's there's all levels. There's people within your within your gym who who are who are fighting. I mean, Vitor Ortega uh, fights uh, for for Bellator promotion. Okay, so so mm -hmm. some people might recognize that. Um, you have uh, a number of uh, fighters and, and some coaches that also participate over. You know, uh, excuse me, compete at front street fights, and they also you know get to go out of state and and, and you know and, and do the and do the dance and, uh, over there. So Ricky Steele was on the Ultimate Fighter as well, competed on the Contender Series. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So so, so there, there's a there's there's a high level of training, uh, there's a high level of athlete, but then you also have people that just come in to check it out. And, and never once have I witnessed somebody be like, oh my gosh, like, like no, like I just jumped into a pack of hyenas and I'm leaving here. So <laughs> it's something that has always been a, a really cool thing about the environment that you guys create. And, and it's cool to listen to you and talk about SBG and, and, and essentially like the business model. So like how you and your partners get that support but at the same time you know what you mentioned you know uh creating a community you know being being part of like a, a different vibe you know it's that and i think that's really important i just wanted to take the time to highlight that and um and, and sbg it's it's i mean that's again that's not just here in the u.s it's international i mean there's a couple of fighters a little one you know known by the name of like mcgregor or something that might be part of sbg yeah. ireland and whatnot Maybe and, uh, and I think, yeah and um it's 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 really cool to you know to just like connect those dots and see the association you know within different gyms uh, within the organization because you also have coaches from different gyms 
uh, all over the U.S. Uh, come and, and, and take a trip over here, you know, to, to Boise, Idaho, and teach in your gym. And, and I'm sure it's the same way that you do when you go and travel and, and take some of your experience and your ex expertise and you get to, uh, to showcase, you know, uh, a little bit of like, you know, the, the mixed martial arts skill sets that you're developing, you know, in your own house. Anyways, yeah. just just thought that was pretty cool. And yes, I'm biased. I do train at your gym. Whoever's watching, yeah, whoop to do. So. You know, it, it's really a testament to uh, Matt Thornton. Um, and I, I think he's the one. You know, it's kind of his brainchild, and um, mm -hmm. that, and well, and the other coaches as well. That you know, the people that have been there for a long time. Like, I. I'm, I'm able to continue to evolve as a martial artist and, you know, and also see the way these high level coaches coach their students and their athletes and, you know, take some of those methods back. And, um, but Matt's really great about just allowing us to kind of have our own flavor to what we do. Um, you know, he, he, and I think he knows that we aspire to high standards and, and, you know, we're not going to do anything. We're not going to put anything out. We're not going <laughs> to, teach in a way that that uh would bring down the organization anyways but he yeah it's, it's been awesome man I, I can't say enough about those guys and their willingness to just bring us on when they didn't really know us and um you know I, i'm not sure why um i guess we just gave a, had a good enough first impression that that they were willing to take that leap and um, but it's it's been awesome man i can't say enough about those guys and and how much they've done for myself and the other coaches and, and by extension, my family, so. Awesome, that's wonderful. So before we start running out of time, I wanna give you, uh, you know, however long you need to take, you know, tell us a little bit more about the gym. I want you to highlight, you know, your, your baby, your business, your home, you know, your, your, your work culture, your work family, what, what classes are available through your gym? Uh, I know we're living in the world, you know, right now in the times of the pandemic and dealing with COVID-19 and, and we're, we're not gonna touch on that. You just go ahead, let us know what is it uh, that, what are the different uh, services, you know, the different classes that you can take, you know, through Combat Fitness over here in SPG Idaho. Is it adults only? Is it children as well? Just, just give us a warm and fussy about the business, please. And, and what do you got to offer to the community? You got it. Um, so. Straight Blast Gym Idaho is for people, men, women, children, all ages, all ability levels that that want to better shape, that want to become this mentally, physically, emotionally stronger versions of themselves. And martial arts is a great vehicle for that. Um, whether it's boxing, Muay Thai, Jiu-Jitsu, fitness, um, we have something for you. And the cool thing is, too, that you might come in for one thing, but you're going to you're, I promise if you really become part of the tribe, you are going to expand your skill set. And I have so many people that have come in for one thing and then ended up finding this reward and, and enjoyment in something totally different. And um, even more than that, though, you're going to meet people that you're going to develop real genuine friendships with. And um, that's one thing that I've noticed a, a real change in over the years is, um, you know, and it, it took me a while to just – kind of sitting there one day and realizing like all my closest friends, all my most valuable business relationships are people I've met here. And uh, I never would have had that opportunity to do it otherwise. So, you know, if, even if, you know, you don't become a great martial artist, you're going to be in better shape. You're going to be stronger. You're going to be a better version of yourself. And you're also going to have some awesome friendships. And that's 
in my experience, what really keeps people coming back. And that's what, uh, you know, what makes this place so special is the relationships that you develop. Awesome. That's really cool. And then uh, I, I don't want to forget. So is it uh, adults only? Is there a children's program as well? Oh, we have a awesome kids program too. It's called the Growing Gorillas and it's for kids from as young as three all the way up to 12 years old. And we've had tons of kids come for our Growing Gorillas program, transition into the adult class and, and they're just monsters now, and uh, but they're like the kindest, <laughs> most team-oriented, best teammates that, that you could find, and there's just going to be more of those. So, yeah, you don't have to wait till your kid's a teenager. Um, my daughter started training when they were five years old. Uh, we've had some, again, as young as three that, that you know, started getting on the mats and, and uh, you know, learning what jiu-jitsu and uh, martial arts is all about. Right. So training in jiu-jitsu. And then again, just, just speaking of, you know, for somebody that perhaps might not know. So somebody that comes into your gym, like it, they're not just like, you know, they sign up, you know, for like a boxing class with Coach Daniel or they sign up with a jiu-jitsu class with Coach Brad. They sign up with a wrestling class or a multi class, you know, with you. Uh, that doesn't mean that they have to compete. It doesn't mean that they're going to be have to be fighting other people. They're just learning essentially their base, their skill set. And, you know, whether they're there to get into shape or actually, you know, learn a little bit of self-defense or just grow some confidence, that's how you guys go about it, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, no, the majority of the people that train here don't compete, have no intention of ever doing it. I have people that have trained in my gym for years that have never sparred. Um, it's just not something that they want to do. Um, I encourage people to, at least for jiu-jitsu, roll a little bit here and there, but it's not something you have mm -hmm. to do often. Um, and again, you can train striking without ever getting punched in the face. There are those opportunities if that's the route you want to go. But again, I've had people that have trained here for years, never been punched once, but they're in great shape. They're they have great technical skills, and um, you know they they really have a lot of fun. So this is for everybody. Whether you want to be a high level athlete or you just want to use martial arts for every other benefit that comes with it. Um, again, improved fitness, mental strength, and uh, you know having great friendships. Outstanding, yeah. This is really, really good for avoiding dad bod when you're enjoying all these uh, local brews right now in time of pandemic. Again, support local. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Jesse, I want to thank you so much for everything that you do for the wrestling community over here in the great state of Idaho, for everything that you do for your own community, you know, in your own uh, home over at uh, Combat Fitness SBG. Um, the value and, and the mentorship that you deliver to not only your work family, but also to the members of the tribe, uh, and it speaks for itself. Um, I certainly not only consider you a great coach and mentor, but also a friend. So thank you for uh, taking the time and you know, the opportunity to come over here and, and listen to my goofy accent while I'm drinking beer and ask you a bunch of questions. <laughs> um, Again, uh, thank you uh, to uh, <laughs> Argos Productions TV, uh, Justin and Erica. I always really appreciate it uh, when you give me the opportunity to take the time to talk to people that I think have a fantastic story to share about not just themselves, but also what it means to be a business or a center, a center of influence here in the great state of Idaho. Again, thank you everybody that tunes in to Washington, if it's just for a little bit or the whole thing. And remember Idaho, when you get a chance, get out there and be kind to somebody. Here's some time.